1: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: What's cracking, everybody? James Coe here with you. Um, This is a podcaster's worst nightmare, but uh, there were some audio issues on my microphone in today's episode that we did not catch until it got into the post editing anyways just want to let you know um it's really intermittent um it's really annoying but i hope you guys can deal with it anyways here's the show
2: we've got our take cannons loaded and ready ready absolutely dominant on deep routes absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are excellent separation against man coverage this is reception reception of the show
0: Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Reception, the show. And uh, if you are a longtime listener, uh, maybe for the past few months, you're thinking, okay, wh- what's going on here? Uh, hey, listen, man. Uh, we talked about on Monday show, Matt, but uh, but here we are. We're going we're two shows a week now. We're going full bore right into the season.
2: Hell yeah, man. Uh, we are. It is. It is approaching. Things are happening. Camp is right there on the horizon, and that pretty much yeah. just is the start of football season for those of us in the industry. But James, listen. I would be remiss if we didn't start yeah. the show by wishing you a happy birthday, uh, Yo, buddy. Let's as we go sit here on July twelfth. <laughs> um, I did not text you today, not, and that's not because I forget. You know, ninety five percent of my friends' birthdays uh it's just you know like you, you know you told me you don't you, you remind this damn like yesterday so i mean for god's yes, sakes uh, exactly, it would be really pretty right. embarrassing <laughs> if i already <laughs> forgot uh yeah so i wanted right. to save it for the show happy birthday to you shout out to you man i'm uh Thank so you. bummed i will be missing the uh south bay brewery tour this year uh after after an absolute banger of a year last year
0: oh, well we, we we've been doing it now for uh four unofficial years Five, i guess i don't know the pandemic kind of Threw things into the muck, but, uh, but yeah, in in this area that we live in, uh, South Bay of Los Angeles, we there's there's a lot of breweries, and uh, and I'm a beer guy, I love beer. Matt's a beer guy, he loves beer, and. Uh, every single year that we've had the opportunity to do it uh, for my birthday, we do a little bit of a a brewery tour in the South Bay and this, this year will be no different, but my guy, Matt Harmon is going to be on the East coast. So he's not going to be able to partake, uh, which is, which is a
2: bummer, man, which is an absolute Just Just FaceTime me in. I've got, I've still got like a few El Segundo beers uh, in the, in the, in the fridge here. So uh, you you, you will crush one with you. FaceTime me in.
0: (laughs) You know, the thing about turning into your mid forties too, or, you know, early forties, however you want to in your forties, you're in, your 40s. It's like you, you go through different stages when you celebrate your birthday. At first, you wake up and you're like, Oh, this is great, it's my birthday. You know, it's like everyone has that feeling. It's like, oh, my birthday, this is great, you know. And then then as the day goes on, you're like, Okay, have I done enough with my life? Right. And then you start going <laughs> to this, you go into the spiral, and then you're like, Wait, wait, do I still got it? Can I can I still do the things that I was doing before? Like physically, mentally, can I still do my thing, man? Uh, and then you start questioning yourself. And then I don't know, man, you start going to a spiral and then that's when you start having some beers and then you start feeling better about life and then you start hugging your family and stuff. You're good. <laughs> so that's that like, that's your whole day, you know, when you're celebrating your birthday in your forties.
2: Yeah, that, that always helps. I am not, as you know, this about me. I don't really like to celebrate my birthday at all to the point that like, you know, my wife had to twist my arm into even doing like anything for my 30th birthday. My, my, oh my policy God. is always. I want to go – I want nobody to acknowledge it's my birthday and I want to go to the (laughs) same bar that I always go to and drink the same beer that I always drink and eat the same food that I always eat with the same people that I always do it with if anyone is even invited at all. This year she's like, oh, because one of my good friends here, Ryan, his birthday is right right by my – she was like, we'll have a joint birthday party at the house you know, in the backyard with the pool and, and, you know, you can do all the cooking uh, and we will call it a joint birthday for you and Ryan. I'm like, how about we call it a housewarming party? So no one's allowed to come go. over before that. And then we, can, <laughs> then we can fly. So yeah, I'm with you. I, birthdays in your, in like your thirties and your forties, like, yeah, come on. Yeah. It, 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 and then once you get into your fifties, I really feel like it should be illegal for you to make like a big deal. <laughs> you just party. go straight to jail. if you have a party. Yeah, <laughs> That's should, great. Go to jail. <laughs>
0: I love it. Hey, listen, uh, today's going to be a very Philadelphia-themed uh, podcast, okay? We're going to break down A.J. Brown, but you know what's really cool, man? We got the great Ross Tucker joining the program here in just a few minutes here, too, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he does some Eagles pregame stuff and, and some stuff during the regular season, but he's Odyssey's NFL insider, so he knows all things Philadelphia. He knows all things in the NFL. Um, I, You know, if you don't know anything about Ross Tucker, well, first, shame on you. Go find him on Twitter. Uh, but he's got like he does like literally I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I think he does five different podcasts on yeah. top of his Westwood one stuff. So he's like he's Mr. Audio when it comes to football. But he's going to be joining the program, uh, which is really, really exciting. We'll, we'll break down the Philadelphia Eagles for sure. But I want to get into it, Matt. Let's just jump right in. A.J. Brown. Uh, His profile dropped onto the the website receptionperception.com, a.k.a. Swole Batman. This dude that had 88 receptions on 145 targets, nearly 1,500 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns as well, 60.7 catch rate. Um, Those counting stats, the 88, 1496, uh, those are career highs. The 11 touchdowns tied a career high for Swole Batman. And, and this harkens back to our show from yesterday, which was, oh, Matt, but if he was a great player, he would have already produced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. The year before he joined Philadelphia, my man, AJ Brown had less than 900 yards. So come on, bro. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about player evaluation and put him in a different situation you watch those counting stats explode but that's the power of rp we're telling you who's great before they're great and that my friends is aj brown
2: oh man yeah aj brown's so good uh and it, it is interesting because obviously he didn't necessarily always produce like the biggest counting stats in in tennessee because one their run heavy offense you know derrick henry right. was kind of the central figure of, of that offense I think he, on paper he's still gonna be the central figure of that offense this year you know so there was that part of it um even though Philadelphia obviously is, is rather run heavy too there was also just like he would get injured a lot you know there'd be some of that uh, so some of that lowered some of the counting stats but you're right like this guy AJ Brown and I, I don't think people think because in, in Tennessee he was you know, an in-breaking route guy on play action and 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 sort of, you know, kind of like a run after catch beast. Like that yep. was the best part of his game, I think, when you watched him just play on Sundays in Tennessee. But one thing that you see in in reception perception is this guy is a truly elite capital E separator against man and press coverage over the last over the last three seasons now. He's cleared the 95th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage in all three of those seasons, 21, 22, and then 23 again in Philadelphia where he checked in at the 96th percentile against man and press coverage. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He also set a career high in success rate versus zone coverage in Philadelphia, which I think is important because, you know, this is something, you know, you're, I think we talked about this when we did the, did we talk about this with the Devonte Smith thing? Uh, when we talked about him on on the program, actually, I'm not. A, I did. We who the hell knows? We talked. <laughs> we talk about a lot of guys all the time. We talk yeah. about a lot of stuff. <laughs> talk about a lot of stuff and a lot of cool things. Like who's gonna line up at X and who's gonna line up at flanker. And I thought that was really interesting with, uh, the Eagles last year because I've said this before, probably at some point on the program that, with AJ Brown in his final year, um, what ended up being his final year in Tennessee, you know. I thought it was interesting when they traded for Julio Jones because AJ Brown in his first two seasons was like a pure X receiver. Ran especially in his rookie season, was just like pretty much 100% pure X. Like he was a big, right. big physical guy who went against man press coverage on the outside, could win in contested situations. Like he's your X receiver. But, you know, on the line of scrimmage, lining up outside, et cetera. But then his last year in Tennessee, because Julio Jones is like, one of the best X receivers of all time, it's like, okay, well we're going to take AJ Brown, who was a collegiate slot receiver, had played a lot off the line in college, and they made him sort of their flanker and big slot receiver there in his final year, at Tennessee, more so outside, but occasionally inside. And then I was curious in Philadelphia, were they going to take AJ Brown and move him back to the X or are they going to leave Devontae Smith at X? Because we know he's right. a great route runner against press man coverage. Um, Turns out they left Devontae Smith out there to run that very difficult vertical X route tree and then they used A.J. Brown more so as a flanker. The numbers uh, for for 2022 for A.J. Brown lined up in the slot a career high 29.1% of his sampled snaps and reception perception was off the line for 54%. So that success rate versus zone being a career high is even more impressive when you realize he is a, he's running against, a lot against man coverage. He runs more against man coverage and zone coverage because of the offense that the Eagles play. But he's got to beat zone if you're going to be a flanker, if you're going to line yep. up inside. And he did that better than ever in 2022 20, with the Eagles.
0: Okay, so I wanted to kind of – okay, I got two follow-up questions here for you. Okay, one, I was really surprised by his lineup data. Okay, the, the, the information I got actually in front of me here is that he lined up about 30% of the time inside um, in, in the, in the slot. Right. So yep. that's a lot for a player like AJ Brown. I'll be the first person to admit, Oh, I, I thought just again, based off of their, their, their skill sets and their size, I was like, all right, AJ Brown's going to line up outside and, and Devonte Smith, uh, when they go three wide receiver, will kick inside. Just again, we're talking about a, a very slight, uh, wide receiver, great right. route runner as well. Uh, obviously all you would look at that just and just say, all right, well, yeah, he's gonna play inside. Wasn't the case. So again, 30% came inside for AJ Brown. We're talking about a guy who's 225 pounds. Devontae Smith only lined up inside 25% of the time. That's interesting. He lied Devontae Smith lined up inside less than AJ Brown. Can you talk about the skill set? Required from AJ Brown again at six feet, two hundred twenty-five pounds, to run those in-breaking routes.
2: Uh, it's it's really freaky stuff, right? Because of, I think that's one of the things that got undersold about AJ Brown is again the run after catch stuff. Yeah, he's freaky in that way, but his ability to run routes and ability to sink his hip at sink his hips at that size is crazy impressive. You know, especially crazy. on those in-breaking routes. Like I like I said, I think people. <sighs> I'm not going to say like people under, I think underrated AJ Brown a little bit and like maybe just missed this part of his skill set, mostly because again, the offense that he played in was so play action heavy. Look, Arthur Smith is still doing this in Atlanta, right? It's like Mm -hmm. in breaking routes against play action, um, Mm -hmm. you're not taking, and it's the routes that Ryan, by the way, it's the routes that Ryan Tannehill likes to throw. Like the credit to Ryan Tannehill is that he will sit in the pocket and he will get. But Be- lasted Jesus, uh, you yeah. know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> which isn't good which God. is why he's gotten banged up a, a good bit um but he will he will stand in there and play action like rifle that deep dig route or that deep post route you know against zone coverage against man coverage to like an alpha receiver like aj brown but when you actually looked at aj brown through reception perception yeah he, he wins in other areas so i i do want to make that point that like he could win on he could win on go routes in Tennessee. He could win in contested situations in Tennessee, but the real strength of his game, and it remained the case in Philadelphia, is his ability on those in breaking routes. And I think that's really you get that even more so in Philadelphia. And I think that was crucial. You know the slant route success rate. I think. AJ Brown might be the best like slant route runner in the NFL right now. Wow. Like in breaking routes wow. like that, eighty-seven point five percent success rate on slants, and and twenty-three percent of his routes were slant routes last year. His dig route success rate's really high. His curl route success rate's really high.
1: Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
2: Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Reception Reception the show. Ow. Ow. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Where did A.J. Brown kind of unlock Jalen Hurts? Uh, or or help like what did he unlock for the eagles most of all well number one it's it's a lot but the biggest thing is that they didn't really have anybody work in the middle of the field like that even uh smith he's probably at his best work in the boundary um you know working kind of deep outside the numbers um he's really good on outbreaking routes as well but like a big and then of course anybody in the 2021 eagles passing game besides Devontae Smith like wasn't really worth, worth talking about so right that area the middle of the field those in breaking routes is, is and from the slot or outside is really where he helped Jalen Hurts kind of take that next step as a pass
0: I just bring that up because a man of his size six feet 225 pounds he ran a four-four nine forty, um, 36 and a half inch vertical which is that's okay 10 foot broad jump that's okay 449's okay it's not these aren't, you know, he's, he's not super when you're looking at the testing numbers, it's not super twitchy. Right. It's just that when he gets the ball in his hands, he's, he's out of there. Right. Like, yeah. because he's so big and it's like, how are you going to bring him down with, with, you know, a small corner? It's just not going to happen. Like you're going to put a slot corner on AJ Brown. Good luck. Right. Not going to yeah. happen. Um, but that being said, Generally, when you see guys of this size, they like playing bully ball on the perimeter. That's generally what you see from NFL archetypes when we're talking about wide receivers. You know what I'm talking about? And that's not necessarily what he does. Now, he can do that as well. But I think the reception perception data absolutely shows that this is a dude that that is a much better technician than he is given credit for Matt Harmon. And that's my other follow-up question to you. Can you talk about his technique? Because I think a lot of people are going to hear this or maybe see the RP data and say, well, AJ is just a hulking beast and that's how he gets open. I don't think that's the case.
2: Yeah, I think prior to this year and maybe even still now, like AJ Brown's route running might have been the sixth or seventh thing that people brought up in terms of what makes him a great receiver right but i think it should have been like one of the three things you know because Mm -hmm. in addition to being freaky after the catch and you know really good in in tight coverage winning contested balls he's so strong um he's a great route runner a great technician i i think and I you really see it off the line of scrimmage, like I mentioned, those press coverage scores, like the guys and you know, over the last three years is success rate versus press eighty one point six percent, eighty four point six percent, eighty three point three percent. I mean, those are all really, really great scores. anybody over I would say anybody over eighty, you're starting to get into like, the star territory, once you get over like 83, then you're in like the elite category, which is where I would put AJ Brown. I do think he is an elite receiver in the NFL, but I, I probably would have said that coming into this year as well, but we can, we can right. come back on that in a second. I think the thing that, that makes his best technique is getting off the line of scrimmage. Like he's got a great ability to team like, and I think this is something that it is it, when defenders know, or when uh, receivers know what the defender knows about them, like, I know what you know about me, right, sort of thing. Yep. I think A.J. Brown has a really good understanding that, oh, yeah, because of what I did in my previous offense, people know that I'm great on these in-breaking routes. So, for example, like, if you're an opposing corner, you're going to shade inside on A.J. Brown, and A.J. is really good at at playing into that, like taking the initial release inside before Re- and really selling that with his hips, with his hands, with his eyes is, I think he's got great eye usage. It's just like a, you know, it's mm. kind of really diving into the weeds there, but selling the slant with his eyes before, you know, breaking a downfield on a go route. And then, you know, even then like taking that vertical route and maybe breaking it, like he didn't run a lot of out routes last year did AJ Brown, but he has a 90.9 success rate. That really shows mm. you that ability to set up defenders at the break point of routes at the release point. I think, I mean, deception is the one thing I would say uh, is probably the most important thing to route running in general. And I think A.J. Brown has a lot of that, both at the line of scrimmage and at the break point of routes as well.
0: Yeah. So, again, it just to me just goes back to, uh, I mean, he could have been a continuation of our of our podcast from earlier this week about underrated wide receivers. And as great as he is and as much accolades as we heap on the guy um, I do think he's underrated, especially in this particular aspect of, of the actual technical side of everything. Matt, when I go through the historical data and I look at his success rate on the nines and then those inbreaking routes of the dig curl slant. Okay. So either in-breaking or beating you over the top. Uh, and then you mix in his man zone press scores. This is a guy, AJ Brown. I was very surprised to kind of see this. The numbers look really similar to Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. And yeah. the reason I say A.J. Brown's underrated is because when you talk about great, like top of the food chain, alpha wideouts in the NFL, you're certainly going to mention Justin Jefferson and you're certainly going to mention Devontae Adams. I don't think people are at the point now where they're mentioning A.J. Brown. And you know what? They probably should.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm just going back looking at the you know the 2021 reception perception database um it, it's so funny it's so funny we mentioned this too like i i remember like at the when AJ Brown was traded to the Eagles i remember tweeting um this guy is a top 5 receiver talent AJ Brown like he has to, he has the talent to be a top 5 receiver in the NFL and it's just i can't tell you how many responses to that tweet were, you know, too bad they got a jugs machine playing quarterback. Too bad they've got, you know, no quarterback. Too bad <laughs> they have a running back playing quarterback. It's just a reminder that, like, great – it's it's the same – it's a continuation of the conversation, you're right, that we just had about Stephon Diggs. And, like, this is why we harp on these guys like Brandon Ayuk and, and Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin is, like, maybe if all the circumstances got, got right – and it's not even like A.J. Brown was in a, a bad circumstance in Tennessee. It was just – it was a run heavy offense that that you know didn't ask its receivers to do everything because its quarterback Ryan Tannehill is not a I'm gonna do everything type of quarterback. So uh I think it's it's it just it's a remember, it's a reminder to, to like keep your imagination open. But anyways, my point about the 2021 database, it's so funny that you mentioned the top four success rate versus man coverage in 2021. This is not last year, this is the year prior to him getting to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams led the NFL 79.6% in success rate versus man coverage. Our guy, Stefan Diggs, of course, number two, 79.4%. A.J. Brown, 78.8%. Number three, Justin Jefferson, 78% in 2021. And the guy who was number two behind Devontae Adams' success rate versus press, it was A.J. Brown. Uh, Justin Jefferson was (laughs) fifth that year as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think he deserves to be mentioned with those guys in terms of route running he's he's not he's not quite there against zone coverage as, as those two guys are but the fact that he did get over 80 percent last year is a is a 80 we got over 81 percent is a real credit right. that I think he's continuing to even get better and better yeah I, I love this player man I'm, I've always been such a huge fan of, of AJ Brown both in his collegiate game like if this is a guy who another reminder that just because the guy played in a lot in the slot in college does not mean he didn't show the traits at old miss to be an outside receiver. It's very similar to Justin Jefferson, right? It, that was the discussion on Justin Jefferson. He played in the slide, played in the his It's like, okay, watch him play and watch him run routes. He's running mm-hmm. outside receiver routes from the slot. Like he can do this from the outside as well. And it turns out both those guys can do it. So yeah, I'm a, I love this guy. Love, love AJ Brown as a player. You
0: know, I'll just say this about AJ Brown. I thought, that last year he was more transformative. Let me say that again. He was more transformative to the Philadelphia Eagles was A.J. Brown than the development of Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying he was more important to the Eagles than Jalen Hurts, but I think when you look at what the Eagles were doing in 2021 versus what they did, and they were just gangbusters in 2022, how did they make that gigantic, colossal leap? I think it's mostly because of A.J. Brown, Matt, because, look, and I love Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts. But A.J. Brown unlocked the playbook. It unlocked what Jalen Hurts could do in terms of being able to throw every single route to every single part of the field. You talk about those blades of grass. Now, all of a sudden, those blades of grass, every blade of grass was available when you had A.J. Brown. It opened up the field for Devontae Smith. Right? You could do different things now with both of those receivers moving all over the formation, really putting stress on the secondary on the other side. I thought that A.J. Brown was more transformative to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022 than the development of Jalen Hurts. And by the way, those two things go together. Yeah. Right? Without A.J. Brown, you don't see Jalen Hurts make that leap. In my opinion, I just don't think that happens. That's why I think that the, the team MVP may have been AJ Brown last year.
2: It was probably the best transaction anybody made last year. Um, oh, hands down. I mean, so it was so bad on the Titans side, they fired their GM after the A.J. <laughs> Brown game. Remember when he went He went to Tennessee and, you know, he had two touchdowns, I think, oh, over 100 yards. Goodness. And even yep, Ryan Tannehill, right, yeah. there was like post-game clip of him saying, like, you you really, you didn't have to do us like that, man. You know, so the Titans fired their GM. I mean, it wasn't was all for, for that reason, but, you know, that, right. that might have been a part of it. I think we'd say it's a pretty significant part of it, even just from an optics standpoint, right? Yep, uh, yep, yep. I, I'm with you that it was probably one of the – I would say – it's pretty similar to the Josh Allen Stefan Diggs thing, right? Where
3: mm-hmm.
2: Josh Allen illuminated things that were already apparent in Stefan Diggs. If like you were looking at his reception perception, you were actually watching him play on a route by route basis. And similarly, Jalen Hurts absolutely, you know, doesn't take that step without AJ Brown. Jo- Josh Allen probably doesn't take that step without Stefan Diggs. But similarly, I think Jalen Hurts, un- like we just said at the top, you know. Jalen Hurts, he loves to throw those go-routes. He loves to yep. attack outside the numbers where Ryan Tannehill doesn't as much. You know, so much of the point it was like some people ask, like, how are these guys going to fit together? Because A.J. Brown's so good over the middle, and Jalen Hurts doesn't like to really throw over the middle. It's like, well, when you take those targets and, you know, you sub out Jalen Rager, no disrespect, and you put in A.J. Brown, um, that's going to be different, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I think right. it was just, yeah, it was a – I mean, who is that, like – slot receiver greg ward you know greg was ward. playing a lot for mm-hmm. the Eagles before like now again we're talking about aj brown's in the slot on 30 percent of his routes or whatever so yeah I, I think he was a transformative player and um i would also say this james like can you think of an offense that puts defenses in more of a bind than the philadelphia eagles because look they have an alpha receiver in aj brown He's doubled on eleven percent of his routes uh this past year. That's one of the higher, um, that's one of the higher numbers from 2022. It's not as high as guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson. It's not as high as guys like Jamar Chase, it's not as high as guys like Stefan Diggs, but it's kind of in that CeeDee Lamb range, you know. I think by the way, I think A.J. Brown's like a better receiver than CeeDee Lamb. You know, I think he's he's ranked higher, or whatever. So so again, like I'm saying, he's he's doubled on you know, 11 point, uh, 11 point, uh, 11.2% of his routes. That's like Terry McLaurin. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is up there. You know, But, again, it's not quite in the uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, funny enough, is, is up there because who else was Carolina playing with last year? <laughs> <laughs> so my point is saying, like, they, th- that's because they have an alpha receiver in A.J. Brown, but, like, yeah, oh, yeah, they also have a 1B receiver, I think, in Devontae Smith who could be a 1. You know, I think sure. Devontae Smith could be a 1. But they also have a running quarterback. You have to bring somebody. They also are a great rushing team overall. Like Miles Sanders and the boys last year with on the offensive line were kicking people's ass. Like yeah. that twenty twenty two Eagles offense, I think was probably a really special unit just because it put teams in such a big bind yep. defensively, where you put extra attention. If you don't commit, if you commit to t- bringing guys in the box to deal with either Jalen Hurts and or you know the running back you are then going to get ripped over top, over the top by A.J. Brown. If you dedicate extra resources to A.J. Brown, you are then leaving things open for Devontae Smith. So I, I, it's crazy, and most of that's going to come back this year. Obviously, there's change at running back, but – Yep. I mean, shoot Rashad Benny, if he's out there, one of the most efficient rushers in the NFL, uh, when he's healthy for the four games <laughs> he's going to play this year, he, he, he'll he'll go wide open lanes, you know, so – it's really a, a hell of a unit that they have there in in Philadelphia. And AJ Brown, I'm with you. I do think he is as good as Jalen Hurts is, and all the credit he deserves for um, being the you know taking a huge step. And as good as Devonte Smith is, I mean, Dallas Goddard I didn't even mention Dallas Goddard, who's, who's I know one of those, like screen passes. I do think that AJ Brown is the straw that stirs the drink for this offense.
0: Yeah, you take him out of the mix and all of a sudden all that stuff becomes a lot more difficult. Getting the ball to Devontae Smith becomes more difficult. Running the ball becomes more difficult. Getting the ball to Dallas Goddard becomes more difficult. I'll say this about uh, DeAndre Swift. Well, first of all, I love the moves that they made in the offseason at running back, um, letting go of Miles Sanders uh, and then bringing in DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. I think Penny, obviously, has got a lot of experience running between the tackles. I bring that up because the way this offense is structured – with Jalen hurts mobility. You see this guys, you see this all the time with mobile quarterbacks, mm-hmm. the running backs are asked to run between the tackles. Why? Cause RPO, right? Think about RPO running backs running right in between tackles. You know, the quarterback's going to pull that, pull that ball and maybe not, uh, to go to the outside. Right. Um, so you have to be able to run inside. You gotta be an inside runner, uh, an efficient inside runner, to play well in this Philadelphia offense, Deandre Swift. I was surprised when I looked at this, but he averaged 5.3 yards per carry inside between the tackles. Deandre Swift last year for Detroit, it was the seventh best mark uh, in the NFL yeah. and Rashad Penny as well. Also really, really good um, Rashad Penny. Uh, we're talking about a guy that ran 6.1 yards per carry in, between the tackles um you know again it wasn't a huge sample size for Rashad Penny but that's even going back to his San Diego State days they did a lot of that you know Seattle does a lot of that they they run inside on you um so they got two running backs that are extremely efficient at running inside so I I think that's a really smart move um that they made in, in bringing in those two running backs but um okay listen Matt We're going on and on about A.J. Brown and and Philadelphia. But you know what? Let's bring in an expert to talk about the Eagles here with us. And, uh, and man, I'm excited. I'm pumped. We've got a guest here on Reception Perception, the show.
2: It's only a kick.
3: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle
2: Reception, Perception, The Show, Ow. Ow. James Coe and Matt Harmon.
0: If you follow football, this man needs absolutely no introduction, but you know what? I'm going to give him one anyways. All right, how about that? He's a seven-year vet of the NFL, Ivy League-educated offensive lineman out of Princeton, and one of the busiest dudes in the sports audio space. He's got about 17 different shows, but he's taking time out of his busy day to join us here on the Reception Perception, The Show. He's Odyssey's NFL insider
3: Ross Tucker. Ross, welcome to the program, man. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Good to see both of you. That was quite the introduction. I love it, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Though I'm always a little bit nervous. Like, so they mainly talk about wide receivers. Like, what what do they want me to come on and talk about? <laughs> I, you know, <clears throat> I I can talk about receivers. I wouldn't say it's long, my yeah. area of expertise, but um, that's usually why I have matter. You guys come on my fantasy show, you know, to talk about receivers. So I like it. I like the role reversal. <laughs>
2: hey, Ross, buddy, that's why we need you, man. You know, we spend so much time on, on this podcast talking about receivers, you know, different guys that, oh man, you know, how high of a success rate does, you know, Jalen Waddle have on the damn corner route or something like that. We need you to fill in all the other gaps, man. Cause uh, you know what <laughs> I'm not doing? I'm not sitting there talking about, you know, the trench play or anything like that. Right. So uh, you're here to, to, get our audience smarter about the things they don't hear about all the time.
3: Well, I appreciate that. And this is also a very good reminder for me to ask you, Matt, to come on the Fantasy Feast podcast soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, anytime, man. No doubt.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, we, we, we got done talking about A.J. Brown, so uh, we might as well just start there. Hey, listen, you also work for the Eagles, Ross. Um, listen, a lot of teams that lose the Super Bowl suffer a huge Super Bowl hangover the following year. I'll ask you just point blank. Are you worried that this could potentially happen to this year's Philadelphia team? And if not, what in your mind makes this particular Eagles team maybe immune to something like that?
3: Well, so there's definitely concerns, right? And I do the Eagles preseason games on on television, and I do their pregame on the radio when I'm available. And some of the Eagles fans don't want to hear this, but they're taking a step back from a personnel standpoint. I mean, you just can't argue otherwise. They lost nine starters. right? There's only, guys, only 22 guys start. And, <laughs> yeah. and they lost nine starters, okay? Yeah. And they lost both coordinators. So there are absolutely reasons to be concerned if you're an Eagles fan. And there's no doubt in my mind, at least from a pure roster standpoint, they're taking a step back. But that's not that big of a deal. They, they had the best roster in the NFL last year, by a decent margin. They had the best roster in team history. I mean, last year was the best team they've ever had. They didn't get done in the super bowl. There's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, But you know, it's a one game scenario. They lost 38, 35. It is what it is, but that was the best team. I believe the Eagles have ever fielded last year. And I think a lot of other teams thought so as well, because they signed both of their linebackers, both of their safeties they got their best D tackle, which I thought was really an interesting signing by the Niners because mm-hmm. huge need position for the 49ers. They get a big time player in Jayvon Hargrave and they take it from their number one competitor, probably in the NFC, right? It's kind of like right. uh, what a move. Uh, they double dip there. And then even on offense, they lose their running back, Miles Sanders. They lose their right guard, Isaac Sayamalo, who I believe are much better players than, than they get credit for, certainly Sayamalo. So there's definitely some concerns there, right? And we don't really know about the coordinators. You know, they bring in Desai. Uh, they, they promote Brian Johnson. What this organization has done a really good job of is kind of having guys waiting in the wings, right? I mean, at right guard with Sayamalo out, we don't know who it's going to be, but they have got two second round picks. Cam Jurgens, Tyler Steen right there. I mean, I know Tyler seems like the first pick of the third round, but right there ready to compete. Um, you know, I think there's a really good chance that they're actually better at running back this year. I mean, mm-hmm. if Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift can stay healthy with that Eagles offensive line, right. those guys could both put up some serious numbers. I think that's another thing I like about what the Eagles did, right, is – they got two guys that have some injury issues. Okay, get two, right? You get a much better chance. <laughs> if you only have one of those guys, right, who knows? Right. And on right. defense, you lose Hargrave, but then you draft Jalen Carter, right? You you lose the two linebackers, but you kind of had N'Kobe Dean ready to step up in that position. Safety's a concern, but now they brought in Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh. They drafted Sidney Brown, uh, started the third round, out of Illinois. So they've got some guys to replace them. I think you could argue they might have more physical ability in terms of some of those guys that are replacing them, but they don't have the same level of experience. Um, I will say this. In terms of A.J. Brown, and I know this is what you guys do and talk about, he was a decent amount better than I thought he would be. Mm. He really was. And, And I, like everybody else, that... Watches the Eagles. You know, when they traded for him, I was like, that's a great signing. In my mind, I thought, okay, he's so good run after the catch. I thought he was primarily an RPO guy, primarily an in-breaking route, running slants and digs, get him the ball with a full head of steam, break some tackles. Tell you what, watch him this past year. Much better route runner than I realized. And a much, much better deep ball, contested catch, tracking the ball over his shoulders receiver than I knew about. And look, we're all guilty of this, right? I mean, I don't watch every second of every Titans games. And it feel like when I watch the Titans games, Why would you? it was an in-breaking route off an RPO or whatever. And he yeah. broke a couple tackles and he took it to the house. And I thought, okay, that'd be that, that's perfect for what the Eagles need. I didn't see him tracking like he was. I didn't see him running some of the routes he did. He's the best receiver they've had since T.O. back in 2004. He's a phenomenal player.
2: Hey, Ross, sounds like we uh, we need to hook you up with the reception perception account for uh... – for next for the next time uh you know because it's like obviously that's what i do i'm the sicko that has to sit down and watch every route (laughs) that aj brown runs in a a titans game and everything like that so we'll we'll get you hooked up with that on the side i do want to ask you about some of those guys stepping up uh for the eagles because i think you're you're right that this team it has a lot of guys waiting in the wings i think that's sort of one of the biggest tent poles of what the eagles do like as long as we have a good head coach a good gm a good quarterback and like we're good along the lines, we're, we can kind of churn and burn like running back and safety and some of these like more you know quote non premium positions. But who's kind of one or two of those particular players that you know whether it's on the defensive line or or maybe it's Nakobe Dean, one of these guys that has to step up into a bigger role that you're kind of at least like squinting at, like you're not so sure they're going to reach their potential, or is it just too big of an unknown right now?
3: Well, that's the thing. And there's a lot of excitement from Eagles fans about these these seven new starters. And they're not worried about the seven guys that the Eagles lost. But, you know, what I do do is offensive line, Sam is good. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't get more money. I thought that was a great signing by the Pittsburgh Steelers to bring in Sam and have him play next to a young left tackle whether it's more or the first round pick, Broderick Jones. But there's a pretty good unknown there. I mean, the starting right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles, okay, is either going to be Cam Jurgens who's only ever played center or Tyler Steen who played left tackle the last four years. And your first NFL starts are going to be at a different at right guard. Now, what I like about what the Eagles do, guys, they always kind of have a floor, like an acceptable floor, right? So even if both those guys stink, which isn't going to happen, but let's just say they did. Jack Driscoll has started some games at guard and is a competent start, right? Like he's not good, but he's kind of like I was. They can put him in the game and he won't be the reason why they, lo- they lose, <laughs> Okay. Or at least hopefully not. Right. <laughs> and at running back, You know, Gainwell played more in the NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl game, than Miles Sanders did. Gainwell outplayed Sanders in the playoffs last year. So I feel like Boston Scott, who's been fine, and Gainwell, who was a little bit better than fine toward the end last year, that's the floor for the Eagles. And then they have these two upside lottery tickets in Penny and Swift. Same with guard. Defensively, Look, I think Jalen Carter uh, is an unbelievable football player. He's not going to be as good as Hargrave was last year. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Like that, right. you know. If he does, he'll have like the best rookie season for a D tackle ever, right? Right. But the Eagles, you know, Jordan Davis got hurt last year. It'll be his turn to step up. I think Milton Williams can make some plays. So they have some young guys. But what I keep telling people is, out of all of these unknowns. If we're being realistic, probably 50% of them will turn out really good, but 50% of them won't. And I actually think the Eagles know that, which is why at each of these spots, they have like three options, right? It's not just like, this is the guy. Um, I think Nicobe Dean will be fine. Um, I think the other linebacker spot is interesting. With Nicholas Morrow, um, I think Christian Ellis, I wouldn't be surprised if they add there. And then at safety, they always have three, right? So it's Edmund, it's Blankenship, who started some games last year when Gardner Johnson was hurt, and Sidney Brown. So they always have one extra in case of an injury or in case one of the guys just doesn't pan out. Because out of all these young guys waiting in the wings we're naming, they're not all going to be good. They're just not.
2: Right. Right.
0: There's definitely going to be yeah. some 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 guys that flop, but I I think to your point, Philadelphia has done such a good job of adding depth everywhere. I think when I look at that offensive line, though, and maybe you could, you know, um, divest me of this idea, Ross, but I, I'm a little worried about the fragility of it. You know, there's some age issues. Lane Johnson, Kelsey, there. Um, I think these these guys are stalwarts, anchors at that at their respective positions. But man, I tell you what, we saw with we saw with the the LA Rams too. Sometimes those strengths can become a real weakness, especially when you lose a player uh, due to injury or age. You know what I mean?
3: Yes. And I think that's another thing that could prevent the Eagles from having the season they want to have. They're old at a lot of spots. Mm -hmm. I mean, both their corners are 30 or older. I think Kelsey's 35. Brandon Graham, who had double-digit sacks last year, is 35. Lane Johnson, who you referenced, he's got to be at least 33. So they do have age for sure. Um, I think they probably feel pretty good if Kelsey went down. I can tell you this much, doing their preseason games on TV. If okay. Kelsey went down, Cam Jurgens would play very well at center. Mm. Very well. He was unbelievable in the preseason last year. I mean, he was like the star of the preseason. So he'd be fine at center. At tackle, if Lane went down, again, he missed four games last year, I think. At least two. Yeah. Jack Driscoll stepped in for him, and played pretty well. Uh, but their offensive line is—I mean, guys, all five guys last year were Pro Bowl or Pro Bowl alternates. Yeah, that's crazy. The center's yeah, a Hall of Famer. <laughs> the right tackle's a Hall of Famer. Yep. I mean, the center's the best center in the league still. The right tackle's the best right tackle in the league still. Which, by the way, for them to be still doing that in their thirties is bananas to me. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Look, I don't know how old are you guys.
0: 30 32 i'll be 32 next month okay you know what i just i just i'm celebrating a birthday today and i am 43 years old
3: happy birthday man (laughs) thanks pal that is awesome all right so so think about this okay yeah think about how you feel after a workout or after a big night out at 42 and 32 oh god compared to when you were 22 (laughs) Oh god! Oh. Or twenty six. It's a Russ, big difference well,
0: when you get when you get older. It hurts to sleep sometimes. Like you literally wake up and you're like, "Wow, okay, I'm hurting for some reason. I don't know why." Yeah, these guys nothing. that
3: play into their thirties, like mid thirties, <laughs> and uh, have have a hundred plus starts and play at this high of a level, I don't understand it. They're like those are like my idols, right? Not like you know, Jamar Chaser. Some great receiver, <laughs> like the guys that <laughs> battle in the trenches yeah. for 10 plus years, start a hundred plus game and are still playing at a high level. It's unreal. Crazy.
2: Yeah. Yo, I'm Ross. I'm, I'm about to be 32 and I just moved into a new house. So I'm like constantly putting together furniture and moving boxes and all this. I'm getting, ga- I'm gassed from that. So, like, what Travis Kelsey and Lane Johnson are doing is incredible. Jeff Stoutland, offensive line coach for the Eagles, deserves a lot of credit for putting together this unit as well. My um, thing, too, and, and, and you mentioned this, that they're, the Eagles are going to take a step back. I think that that obviously is pretty likely, even if they're still a really good team. I think a big X factor in all this is this is a tough division in the NFC East. Like, it, it went from kind of being a, a joke there for a little bit to I think the Cowboys are set up to be better this year than they were last year. Their roster looks great. Um, The Giants really exceeded expectations last year. Listeners to this podcast know I will always talk myself into the commanders in some weird, dumb way because I love that receiver trio. Uh, So I think there's a way that they can exceed expectations a little bit. Who do you think is the biggest sort of challenger to the Eagles in this division right now?
3: Well, I definitely agree that I feel like the Cowboys and the Giants have taken a step forward, especially the Cowboys. I I thought the moves they made, to get Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore were, were really savvy. I mean, yeah. they got their their, their old teams to take on a bunch of their salary. I think, you know, maybe Matt, you'll tell me I'm wrong about Cooks, but I feel like both those guys can still play at a pretty high level. Yeah. And those were two positions they absolutely had to upgrade. They had to upgrade the receiver uh, core, you know, other than CeeDee Lamb. And I even think Michael Gallup will be better this year than he was last year coming exactly. off the injury. Great and they had to have a better corner opposite Trayvon Diggs. So I think the Cowboys have taken a step forward there. Where I think the Cowboys have taken a step back is probably play caller. I mean, mm, the fact that yeah. the Cowboys fans were doing everything they could to run Kellen Moore out of town after the season last year is like laughable to me. Yeah. I mean, I think over the last four years, the only team that had more yards and points than the Cowboys was the Chiefs. And by the way, Dak Crazy. missed a bunch of games. I mean, a lot of those games right. were like Cooper Rush, Danucci, Dalton. Like, uh, it's and, – and the Cowboys put up a <laughs> lot of yards, a lot of points. evidently, it's not good enough for the Cowboys fans. I think it's unlikely that Mike McCarthy will be a better play caller in Dallas than Kellen Moore was.
0: Yeah, it's a yeah. uh, – I- I felt like I felt like Kellen Moore was getting roadblocked a lot in his play calling by Mike McCarthy, if that makes any sense. You know, you never know exactly what's going on, you know, in, in between the headsets, man. But I don't know. It, it felt more of like a McCarthy offense than it did in McCarthy play calling uh, than it did a Kellen Moore offense. But we'll see. I mean, because when, when, when the Chargers open it up this year, man, we'll, we'll see what's uh, what it's looking like uh, with Kellen Moore. Um, OK, so here's the thing. Uh, I know you're a big food guy, uh, and we're running short on time here. So I want to ask you, man, uh, by the way, if you follow Ross Tucker on Twitter, you know about his hashtag, Tuck Spreads. Um, but y- you've got one meal left, Ross Tucker. What's the move? What genre are we going with? We going Italian? We going American fried? What are we going? You don't you don't strike me as an Asian dude, okay? But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Where are we going? Barbecue? steak? Where are we well, going? Well, first
3: of all, I do love Asian food, in particular Thai food. Okay. Love it. Mm. Never had it till my wife and I were going to a trip to Southeast Asia, including Thailand. I was like, eh, love it.
1: And by the way, <laughs> things are so
3: inexpensive in I know. Thailand. It's like insane, yeah. when my wife and I were over there, I was doing the math. I was like, Do you realize we could just live here the rest of our lives, eat Thai food and get three massages a day? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <that's unbelievable. laughs> why doesn't why don't we all just do that? like screw work and all the other things just live in thailand (laughs) eat thai food get massages hang out by the pool it was incredible Uh, um it is funny by the way because you referenced earlier how i went to princeton it's so funny because people say to my parents oh i know ross tucker and they'll like smile he's the press box food video guy (laughs) <laughs> and my parents are like <laughs> they sent me to they sent me to Princeton to be the uh, to be the press box, press box food, food guy. video guy, oh which is like, which by the way is why on Friday I'm uh, I'm I'm the keynote speaker for the Pennsylvania Neurosurgeon Society, primarily <laughs> so I could tell my parents that. Primarily so I could tell them that and, and make them proud. Um so this will probably be boring. Um my favorite thing to eat. Man, this is tough. But if it's my last meal, yeah, I'm probably having my mom's scrambled cheese eggs. Scrambled cheese eggs? So good.
0: Walk so me through this. Good. It? It's a, now it's just I wanted to put the ham cheese? in it. it. I wanted okay. to
3: put the ham in the scrambled cheese eggs. Okay. I'm also having a whole bag of chocolate covered pretzels. Like, I'm trying to go over <laughs> in my head the things I really, really like. Right. So, it would be uh, scrambled cheese eggs. It would be – I know that's not like – I know you guys wanted me to say like a big porterhouse or whatever, or, or it's, it's not what I would want. Like, okay. I, I would want to like go out the way I came in, eating Eat my up. mom's scrambled cheese eggs, yeah. a whole bo- a bunch of chocolate-covered pretzels. That's my answer.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're, listen, if you're not back in the good graces of your parents now, after that answer,
0: <laughs> <laughs> my guy's passing up bone bone and ribeye to have scrambled cheese. Let's go. My man's a man. of the It's people. so good, it's awesome. though, dude. I, listen, I, I, good, I, I good scrambled to, eggs is. hit the spot. <laughs> good, good, no. good
2: scrambled eggs that like that hits every single time. So I, I hear you. I I'm him, with man. you on that.
0: Uh, the great Ross Tucker joining us uh, on the reception <laughs> perception, the show uh, Ross, we, man, we appreciate the time. And, and for sure, uh, anytime you need guests on your fantasy stuff uh, or any of your pro, any of your 17 shows that you do, just let us know. We'll stop by, man.
3: It's not that many Ross Tucker football <laughs> podcast is daily It's yeah. 30 minutes or less. I got the even money betting show. Fantasy Feast, Fantasy, and then the college draft. Andrew Brandt does the business of sports as well. So it's not really that many, but please uh, check them out if you get a chance. <laughs> if you're listening to this show or watching this show, you would definitely like my shows because for sure. similar in terms of some hardcore football talk. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate Thanks
0: so That was awesome, awesome, awesome to have Ross Tucker on the program. I hope you guys got your Philadelphia fill. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Anyways, hey, listen, uh, great show, but our time is running short. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see (laughs) you.